Good morning, everybody. I want to say hello to all of our guests that are here and all of our guests online. It's great to see you. I know there's some people traveling even in Europe, if you can believe that, watching our service online. So we'll give them a pass this week, you know, if you're all the way in Europe. But uh, it's been a great resource when people are traveling, traveling to, to be able to tune into our service uh, here. And if you're a guest, we are glad you're here. We're right in the middle of a series, as you could tell, that was our uh, intro video. It's a series we've been doing. We're on the tail end of it. Normally, we do a series about three, four, you know, lessons. But this one's long. So this is part seven. And the series has been called Christian. And it's really, really that important. That's why we had to kind of extend it, stretch it. Because this word, as we're going to see and we've seen in the series, uh, is, is not really clearly defined in the Bible. And so today our, our, our lesson is loopholes. Who knows what a loophole is? I'm going to ask you in a little bit. Some of you are experts at, at loopholes. But this, this whole focus that we've had the last uh, six weeks the, the, the theme Christian is we've discovered that it's a term that was used in the first century by non-Christians or people that were outside of the followers of Jesus to describe followers of Jesus. So it's not even an inside word. It's an outside word. And, and Jesus followers never called each other Christians. Uh, it was actually people outside. And Jesus never called his followers and the followers didn't call each other Christians. So it's and it's not defined anywhere really in the Bible. You can't. It's only mentioned three times and it's not defined. But yet we use it readily. Are you a Christian? I'm a Christian. Really? What is a Christian? And so that's what we're really looking at. And so today we're going to look at loopholes. And this this is the actual definition from the dictionary. It says a means of escaping or evasion, a means or opportunity of evading a rule or law. In other words, it's an end around. It's a way to get out of doing something. For Christians, this is something that's a way of getting around obeying God's word. I don't really have to do it. I don't really have to live it. And we all like them. We all like them. It's our way of getting around doing this, what the Bible says. We, we develop loopholes. And, uh, you know, the, the truth of the matter is no one has to has to just how to do uh, and how to have loopholes because we learn from a really young age. We're experts. Remember when you got in trouble that weekend when your mom was really upset and she said, so you said that the parents were going to be home during the party, right? No, no, no. That's not the way it happened, mom. You said, are they going to be home? And that's it. You didn't say during the party. You just said, are they going to be home? And so my rationale was, yes, they're eventually going to be home, just not during the party. So technically, I didn't lie. Right. So that's how we play the game. I remember when you did that. And then you wanted to go into law school after that. But, you know, as adults, we do the same thing. It's do it when they get you know, stopped by a police officer in the mall. And, you know, the sign said, officer, the sign said no skateboards. I only have a skateboard. 
Or even adults, they'll do this. They get stopped by, you know, the, the, the park ranger and they said, hey, no dogs in the park without a leash. It says, there's the sign. It says, dogs. I only have one dog. That's a loophole. And, and we get really good at it. Guess what? Christians, they love, they love loopholes. We love them. Right? You got to admit it. You got to, you got to, and every religion has them. Uh, every religion has a book or a document or a list. All of them. And what happens is every religion, religion, they have theologians that actually help people get around actually doing the stuff that's in the book or on the list or in the document. You know, religion is great because you have a belief system that you really don't have to practice. Isn't that crazy? And, you know, I, I met a minister last year and he, he shared with me this story uh, about when he went to Cairo. And all religions have loopholes. And he was visit, visiting uh, Cairo because, you know, they go to the ancient pyramids and the historical relevance back in biblical times and all of that and the Old Testament and Moses and how everything happened. And when he's going, he, he had this guide and the guide was Muslim. And so they're cruising around the city and they were having a conversation about Islam. And, and they talked about, you know, the five pillars of Islam. And, and the second one is called a Salat. And it has to do with prayer five times a day, depending upon the place of the, the sun. And the minister, he noticed that there are minarets, that's what they're called. There's these towers and they have loudspeakers all throughout the city. And so during the different times of, of prayer... Whenever the sun is at a particular spot, people are supposed to stop whatever they're doing and get their mat out and pray in the direction of Mecca. So the minister was waiting, you know, he's waiting for that time in the afternoon and they're driving. And this is in Cairo, a very busy modern day city. And they're driving around and, and then all of a sudden out of the minarets comes the loudspeakers, Right call to prayer. And he notices nobody's stopping. The cars are rolling around and motorcycles and people are walking. Nobody stops except this one guy he noticed on the street that he rolled out his mat and got down, figured out where Mecca was and, and prayed. And then people walked around him and they just kept on. But he was like one in thousands that did it. So later on, the minister pulled the guide aside and he said, so Help me understand, you're Muslim, right? He says, yes, absolutely. You know, very doctrinal. You know, I, I believe in the Islam. He said, but what? You know, I noticed that when there was a time of prayer that you didn't stop and pray. And so then the guide went into this convoluted, long answer explaining about what the Koran really means in today's society. And he went on and on. The minister said, I got it. We Christians do the same Thing all the time. And maybe that's the only thing that we have in common is that we both figure out loopholes. But every religion does this. Everybody does this. You know, I grew up Catholic. We had an incredible loophole. It was awesome. It was the envy of all other Christian religions. We've had it. It's called confession. 
And you could fill up your sin bucket. I mean, you could just sin up a storm like crazy, all kinds of sin and just sin and sin. You fill up your bucket. Right. And what do you do? You go down to the local church, the local chapel or, you know, uh, cathedral, wherever. And you, you go behind a screen and you would confess all your sins to the priest. And he'd wave his hand and tell you, all right, now go pray ten times. And you're forgiven of everything. It was awesome. And, and then, then you've got the, uh, the uh, evangelicals. They've got, they've got one. It's called uh, the First John 1 John 1.9 verse. Okay, they, they quote this verse. How, how many of know, you know the First John 1 John 1.9? If you confess your sins to God, He is faithful and will forgive and forget all of your sins. So they take that verse, they fill up their sin bucket, and then they go home after, uh, you know, whatever they're doing, and they, and they confess to God. And you know the kicker is? He forgets every single one of their sins. All of them. But these are just loopholes. And one of the things that, uh, you know, we're going to see, I need, I'm going to need somebody to help. We've got all kinds of technical issues today with our mics. And if you could, Adrian, if you could forward click for me. There's, there's demons in the system. There it is. It's, uh, both of these are a great system. They're great loopholes. But was that really the intent of the commander? Next slide. And loophole Christians, and we'll go ahead and put them in a category. Loophole Christians, they love theology. Theology is the study of the history of, of the Bible. And, and how it works. And they love, they love theology because, you know, it's where you can build a barricade around that keeps you from having to do what the Bible says. All kinds of horrible things throughout history have been done and have happened in the name of theology. It's where we do the dance. It's where we explain away what God has asked us to do. And, you know, here's, I'll give you an example. This happened a few years ago. Every once in a while, it'll pop up. The Old Testament versus the New. You know, the Old Testament teaches tithing. But I'm under the New Testament. So I'm not accountable to that teaching. And this basically gets people off the hook. And it's just like with the parents, you know, when you argue with your parents and you say, hey, I... I I said they were going to be home. It's the same thing. The interesting thing is, is I remember uh, a number of years ago, there was a, a, a teacher. He went down to South America and he taught this to a pretty large church in South America. And he said, the old te- the new teach. I'm going to go ahead and get a microphone. It's distracting. You hear me? One, two. Check. But in this church in America, this, this you know, teacher, theologian went down there and taught this, that the New Testament doesn't teach tithing. And so guess what happened? People stopped giving. 
In the very next month, they had to fire more than half of all the ministers, shrank in size to about half its membership. Do you think that was the intent of the commander? And, you know, technically you're correct, but that's the point of a loophole to get into technicalities instead of really looking at, and I'll give you another one. This is, this is more recent. Home church. Well, you can go to the book of Romans and say, well, they met in the homes, right? They did because they didn't have a place like this to meet. But if we had a place like this, wouldn't you want to meet all together and have the music and the whole thing? But see, people use a loophole to avoid having to do things to keep it convenient. And I hope you online, we have this thing for people who are sick and are traveling and things. Not so we can just stay in our pajamas and, you know what I'm saying? So, if you're there next week, you'll be here, right? You know, and it's just like when we were teenagers. The back and forth with mom and dad. Instead of trying to understand the heart and the intent of mom and dad. And so today we're going to look at that. And Jesus talked about this very subject. He, he talked to the Pharisees and he, and he actually talked about the issue of tithing in verse 23 of Matthew 23. He said, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tithe of your spices, mint, dill and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law. So you do all these things, but you're neglecting the most important things. And that is justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter, meaning you don't stop doing the things that God has asked you to do, but you don't neglect the important things like justice, mercy, faithfulness. And that's what he was talking about. And that's what he was dealing with. You know, loophole Christianity is dangerous. It's very dangerous. And people have hated other people with a verse from the Bible. That's the crazy thing. People have persecuted Jews with a verse. People have justified slavery. Back when our country practiced slavery, they justifies it using the Bible. And even more recently, people have persecuted Homosexuals with a verse. They bomb family planning clinics with a verse. And so we've got to be very careful when it comes to trying to use the Bible as a smokescreen or defense or a barricade. Lupo Christianity is not what, what pleases God. And you know, the truth of the matter is you can find a justification for just about anything in here. Just about anything. And that's dangerous. And as we've talked about in our series for the last six weeks is, we don't want to settle for being Christians. Because it's not even really defined. Here's a Christian, what a Christian would say. How close can I get to sin without sinning? I mean, right up there to the edge before I really sin. How can I do that? Loophole Christians say, how bad can I get or be but still be okay when God shows up. Hey, I'm good. My hands are clean, you see? I'm good. That's what loophole Christians, Christians do and say. And we don't want any part of that. 
And it's not really what Jesus intended when he when he taught, when he came and, and gave us his teaching. And so, you know, today I really want to encourage all of us. If you could hit me again. Thank you. To think about. Are you a loophole Christian? Can you hit it again? There we go. And this is where we're going to do our Bible study. Enters Jesus into this atmosphere of loophole Christianity or loophole Judaism, as it was taught then. And the law of Moses, both the Jews and the teachers of the law, is that they expanded all these rules and commands by the hundreds. There were some thousands of regulations that they added on to the already 630 commandments. And they expanded it. And you go to the next, next slide. You keep on popping. And they were so in love with the commands that they, they, they forgot about the commander. The next slide. And, and they came up with, an, with extra commands to keep people from accidentally violating the commands. So there was a command to stop you from violating, a command to stop you from violating a command. This was the setting that Jesus was a part of. And this is where it picks up in Matthew chapter 15, verse 1. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? And they don't wash their hands before they eat. Now, here's a piece of advice don't challenge Jesus. It's not good. It's not, it's not going to work out well for you, challenging Jesus. And, you know, it's not good to accuse things. But this is what they were saying. They had developed a, a tradition that it was really in the, in the law of Moses, it was taught for priests only. Priests only had to wash their hands from their fingertips to their elbows before they performed a ceremonial act in the temple. But it was only for priests. So what the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the, the, the elders that they did is they said, well, we're going to make this apply to everybody. And, you know, for some of the parents with your little kids, you'll say, hey, it's in the Bible. You've got to wash your hands. OK, I found this scripture. That's not really what it's talking about. But, you know, that's what you could stretch. But this is what he was talking about. He goes on in verse verse three. Jesus replied. And now why do you. He goes right to the issue. He doesn't even talk about the hand washing. He goes right to the issue. And why do you break the commands of God? Forget about the tradition of the elders. Let's deal with the command of God. For the sake of your tradition. You've got it all backwards. And this is a perfect example of a loophole. They developed a loophole. And we're going to get into it. Next slide. And then he gets into why. For God said... Honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses his father and mother or mother must be put to death. Aren't you glad we don't apply this verse in the Old Testament anymore? Because I think our tenants would be very, very small. Go back. Our, our, our tenants would be extremely, extremely small. Because all of us would be dead. I probably wouldn't have lived past seven years old. So thankfully, we're not 
practicing this. And then the next, next slide. Matthew 15, verse 6, it says, But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might have otherwise received from me is a gift devoted to God, he is not to honor his father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for, your, for the sake of your traditions. Let me explain. You can actually read this in context in the commentary. But what, what was happening was, is the Jews had developed a loophole. And see, what they did is they said, well, you're only to honor your father and mother when? When you're a child. But once you're grown, you grow out of that. And what they were faced with was that these children were having to take care of their parents when they were retired or when they were dependents. And if you take care of your parents when they're dependents and they're old, it can get extremely expensive even then to take care of them. And so they developed this loophole that what you could do is you could basically take all of your wealth and devote it to God. You could still use it, but it was covered by an umbrella of it's devoted to God. I still have access to it. It's like your offshore's account. Okay, it's covered by God. It's an offering to God. You use it. But if anybody asks you for something, in particular your mom, if she comes up, hey, son, I need some help here. I'm old and I need you to take care of me. Oh, mom, I'm so sorry. All my stuff is devoted to God. That was what was happening. That's what the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had developed, a loophole. And obviously, they took a nice cut. But it was like a, you know, what we would call today a trust fund. That you have it, but you really don't have it. And, and, and Jesus is challenging them. He says, you know, the commandment was intended to be lifelong. How long are you to honor your father and mother? Forever. All the time. And that comes into play. But they came up with this loophole. Next, next slide. You know, and so for us, we need to be very careful because we all do this. Before you get too hard on the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, we all do this. We always look for, we take the unclear and we fog the clear. And, and I have a question. Do you take what God has said and twist it to serve your own purpose? And Christians are famous for this. The more you know the Bible, the more you're going to practice it, the more you're going to do this kind of crazy stuff. So how, Jesus, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? He says it in verse 7. You ready? You hypocrites. I thought this would be cool to do today. Because some of you have been holding this in. You, you don't attend church regularly and you, you've never liked church. You don't like Christianity because you think everybody's a hypocrite. So we're all going to say this together on the count of three. Okay? And I want some audience participation. Okay? This is your chance. This may be your only chance to say this in church. Okay? So we're all going to do this. Ready? On the count of three, we're all going to say, you hypocrite. Now, I want you to do it with some, some feeling, some heart. Okay? You ready? You ready? You got to work with me here. One, two, three. You. He 
section back here. Wow. That was good. Maybe a little too good. But, but this is a strong issue. I mean, Jesus called them out. This is hypocritical. You guys are practicing hypocrisy in the way you look at it. And here's the principle. Jesus doesn't like it when we use his father's words to avoid doing his father's will. Jesus does not like it when we use his father's words to avoid doing his father's will. That's loophole Christianity. And our country is filled with loophole Christians. Where I grew up in the southeast, what blew me away, and my, my whole family migrated from Cuba in 1959, and I was born, and I grew up in a small southern town. And what was hard for me, because I was Latin, there was, there was a lot of segregation in the late 60s and early 70s. And what blew me away is there's, there's all white conservative churches with a cross on the front and had the Bible. And then you've got these all black churches with the same cross, same Bible, with two different messages in both churches, very distinct. And, and one reacting, one that the white conservative church is saying, and it goes on today, but where they're saying, we got to take back America. And they get these very high-end Political messages using the Old Testament, using Jesus' word. And then the polar opposite, you know, in the, in the, in the black churches, and, and that may go on here in, in different, but it's sad. How do you do that? How does that happen? One situation that happened in the southeast, uh, and this was years ago, but, you know, uh, a man, a father came in to ask the minister, the youth minister, about his daughter, brought the daughter in and, and said, you know, hey, could you help my daughter? Because she's, she's, she wants to have an interracial boyfriend. Something you didn't do in the South. Didn't happen. In fact, I kind of faced a little of that rub myself sometimes. But he said, you know, and then he started to quote the Bible. The, the father did. He said, you know, now, isn't it true, Reverend, isn't it true that Moses didn't enter the promised land because he married that Mennonite woman? And she wasn't Jewish and she was of another race. And the minister said, yeah, both of those are true, but they don't necessarily, they're not tied together. Moses didn't enter the promised land, but it had nothing to do with who he married. But the amazing thing is, is he had a verse. He had a verse from the Bible. And God hates this. Jesus hates this. And we've got to be very careful that we don't use the word to unlove someone. And Christians do this all the time. They form groups and pockets that all agree with each other. And they, they, they separate and they argue and they point fingers. And the truth is we can view the world and the Bible through a lens of twisted Scripture. Here's what you do. You take the Bible, 
you turn it to the side, and then you go, that, that's how I see it. Even liberal Christians, they have a great loophole because they, if you, you talk to them about a verse that maybe challenges them or confronts them, liberal Christians, you know what they say? Well, we don't really believe that Jesus said that. Uh, we, you know, if it's about marriage, we don't really believe that Paul said that. That, that. What you're saying here and what you read out of the Bible is, is basically the result of hundreds of years of, of translating and translation of the Bible. So we really don't even believe that he said that. So why be a Christian? Why, why even say you believe if that's what you're going to do with it? And, and there's whole groups of churches that do this. And how do you become a loophole Christian? It's pretty simple. Find out what's easy for you to do, what's easy for you to practice, then find other things that other people are not doing, and then point fingers. That's how you do it. And, and the amazing thing is, if you do a, 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 an evaluation of history, every generation has the oh my sense. You know, the oh sense. But they change. Years ago, years ago, many years ago, you could not walk in the door of an evangelical church and be a divorcee. Couldn't do it. You were shunned. But that's changed. It's no longer the sin. And now, you know, there was a time too where, you know, if there was an interrelational, interracial marriage, they they couldn't walk in the doors of a church because it was shunned. It was seen as something. But that's changed. See, and it's going to keep changing. That's loophole Christianity in a nutshell. And Jesus' focus, when he began his ministry, he said, listen, we're going to pull back. Forget the commands for a minute. Forget the commands. Let's not focus on the commandments. Let's focus on who? The commander. Let's give our attention to what was the intent of the commander. And that was Jesus' whole ministry. He oftentimes did it for shock value. Just to get people to ask the question, what, why, why would God, why would He want, you know, to, to be involved in, in our lives and, and, and give us teaching on marriage and family and what to do? And, and, and basically, this was His statement, is I want to take you back to God, to what God had in mind when He made the first commandment. This is was his intention. And for us he pulled way back. It was kind of like the it was kind of like he pulled so far back that it was the this is a football speech. And these are football cleats and you lace them this way. It was so basic, it was so simple, but he wanted to pull everything way 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 back. And this was the teaching. He said, a new command I give you. It wasn't really a new command, but he, he, he was basically saying, we're going to start over. We're going to hit the start over button. A new command I give you, love one another. And he sets the bar. You guys think you know how to love one another, but this is how I want you to love one another. As I have loved you. What kind of love is that? As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, by this. People are going to identify you, not as a Christian, but as what? It's right there, a disciple. By the how you love. 
You say, well, you know, this is kind of generalized and very general teaching and, you know, it's pretty simple. Wait a second. This isn't simple. This is actually very, very challenging. It is very difficult to love like this. So 20 to 25 years later, after Jesus taught these things, the Christians are still, the followers of Jesus are still doing it. They're still practicing And they're still holding on to this mentality of love supersedes everything. But in every one of the letters that Paul wrote to the churches, there was a struggle to go back to being loophole followers, loophole Christians. Now, let's get back to the regulation and the regulation and the Jewish law says, and you got to do this and you got to be circumcised and you got to do this and you got to do this. And Paul has to address this. And look what he says here in Romans 13. It's interesting. In verse eight, let no debt remain outstanding. Wouldn't that be nice in our culture today? No debt. Except the continuing debt to love one another. In other words, you've got a debt with the person that you're sitting next to or the person behind you, the person in front of you, to love them. You owe it to them. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled The law. You want to know what this says in a nutshell? Right here? That's what what Jesus taught. This is what Paul was reiterating. This is the teaching of Jesus. You You want to sum up the whole Bible? It's right here. How do you love? Do you love people? And he didn't stop there. Look, look, he goes on. He says here in verse 9, the commandments... And he gets specific. The commandments, these are the ten, the big ones. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. Whatever other commandments there may be. This is the one that supersedes all of them. It's summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the big one. And if we were to use this as a filter for our decision-making, what would it be like in our homes? What would it be like in our workplaces? If every day we woke up with this debt of love and need to pay it out to God and to others, what would it be like before you make any decision about where you're going to do, where you're going to do this, where you're going to go, what, how you're going to spend your time? If you ran it through this filter, how am I going to love What a difference that would make in how we do business. You want to do away with marriage problems? You want to do away with family strife? Run it through that filter. Instead of how a lot of religious husbands and wives do it, they get a verse and they say, well, well, honey... The Bible says that you are, you are to submit to me as to the church submits to Christ. See? It says it right here. And then she comes back with a verse and she says, Well, you're to love me as Jesus loved the church. So there. That's 
That's loophole Christianity. And it's ugly. And Jesus hates it. Because you're using the law to get out of doing the law. This is the law. And what if, what if a husband said, you know what, how, how can I love my wife and my family today? What, what can I do to love them? Is this loving? Is this loving? Is this loving? And you know the filter that we used to use? You know the filter that I used to use instead of love somebody else, love God and somebody else? You know what my filter was before? Me. I wake up in the morning and say, how can I love me? And that was the filter that I, I used for every decision that I made in my day. How's this going to affect me? How can, I, how can I love me more? And it was disastrous in the way it affected my relationships. And a lot of us are there now. We're just, we're just covering it over with a nice frosting of religiosity. And we've got a verse. That's dangerous. And it's hypocritical. And here's the point. Don't you dare. Don't you dare use a verse to unlove somebody. And churches are famous for this. Christians are famous for this. They'll use a verse to unlove someone or a group of people. use a verse to pull back from a community. They'll use a verse to pull out of a marriage. They'll use a verse to disown one of their children. It's bad. And Jesus is saying, don't, don't do it. Here's the deal. Disciples don't look for workarounds. They don't do it. We shouldn't do it. They don't look for workarounds, and they don't look for loopholes. If you want to follow Jesus, you cannot look for workarounds and loopholes. Here's the big question, and this is the take-home. If you've not been paying attention, this, this is, this is you know, been texting or whatever, you know, drawing, whatever. Come on back for a minute, okay? I want you to take this home and ask yourself this question. It's not... What does the Bible require of me? Jesus pulls us back and says, What does love require of me? What does love require of me? What is love asking me to do? And for some of us, this is going to change everything we do and why we do it. What does love require of me? In the light of this, how's it going to affect the relationship that you have with these people? Your spouse and your family. What does love require of me in this setting? What does love require with me at people at work? What am I going to have to do with the people that I work with who are incredibly complicated, very difficult? What am I going to do? What does love require of me in that setting? 
my neighbors and friends, you know, the HOA and the, and the people there, you know, all those people that you're in a rub with and, you know, the, the neighbor across the street who has the barking dog or is always calling the police because of the noise and the parked cars and all. What does love require of you in that setting? Brothers and sisters in our faith, in here. You know, there's people that don't talk to each other. What does love require of you? Love requires of you changing the way you are handling that relationship. Our mission work. What does love require of you? Your finances and your time. What does love require of you in those areas? Love is going to ask you. And let me say, for some of you say, well, this is incredibly simplistic. This is like super broad, super easy. Let me tell you, this is not easy. This is not simple. This is messy. This is hard. And Jesus knew it would be. But it's going to change everything. And it did change everything in the first century. What is God's, or what does love require of me? And this is what love may require. And, and the great thing is, Mike's going to shut down the series next week in part eight, and he's going to get very practical about specifically what does love require of me. Very practical steps. But it may mean this, repentance. You've got to repent. You've got to change. You've got to do a 180 in the way you've been doing business, in the way you've been conducting your life. A complete change and turnaround. Love may require forgiveness. You're going to have to forgive that person that you've held a grudge with and you've held on to bitterness and anger and resentment. You're going to have to forgive them. That's what love will require of you, maybe. Or asking to be forgiven. Humbling yourself and saying, hey, I've got to talk to you. I've held this in. Will you forgive me? And leaving a bad, harmful habit. How can you say you love God and still continue to do those things over and over and over that you know hurts your relationship with God? And letting go of past hurts. That's what love may require of you. Let it go. Forgive. And here's another one. Loving people you don't naturally connect with. That's what love... Do you think it was easy? Remember we talked about this last week? Do you think it was easy for Jesus to love sinful people coming from heaven? A perfect environment? In fact, we saw that, that Jesus liked people who He was nothing like. And so it's very important for us to go, you know, who am I going to love that's not like me? Who am I going to like that's nothing like me? Investing time and money in others. And here's a very, very important point. Aren't you glad that God didn't look for a loophole when it came to loving you? Aren't you glad that God didn't look for a loophole when it came to loving you? Aren't you glad that God didn't get out the Old Testament and say, you know, there's a verse here in the Old Testament. Sorry, buddy. You're out. And the truth is, I've probably got about a hundred thousand reasons for God to put a loophole against me. 
about you? And we'll probably have another thousand or so, however many thousands in the future. For God to say, no, sorry, you don't cut it. You're out. I got a loophole for you to no longer love you. Aren't you glad he doesn't have that? Aren't you glad he doesn't use that with you? And, you know, the question is, where do we get the right? Where do we get the right to not love other people and use loopholes to do that? When God doesn't do that with us, how is that possible? And it's much easier. Let me just say, it is much, much, much easier to be a Christian. And some of you may walk out of here today and just decide, I'm just going to be a Christian. But those of you who are serious about following Jesus, this could get messy. But it could also change our world. And it could also change a lot of lives. Is Ricky here today? He's wrestling. He can't be left. He was just baptized this past week. Tatiana's brother. You know, he's not here. I wanted him to stand up. But he left. He left for wrestling camp uh, yesterday, right? Boise State wrestling camp. He was baptized on Friday. But what happened? Tatiana changed, and really gave and loved what was required of her, and it affected Ricky and affected Vince. and It's infectious when you decide to love people the way the Bible asks of us. And it makes a huge difference. And here's the truth. As we close out this series next week, I want to I remind you, don't settle for Christian. Don't settle for Christian. It's not what God intended. It's not what Jesus intended. And the way our world loosely throws around the idea, let's be disciples. Let's be followers of Jesus. And it's tough. But it makes a huge, huge difference. So I'll leave you with these uh, action points. And then we're going to pray for our, our communion. This week I want to encourage you to use the filter. What does love require of me? I want you to take that with you. Write it on a card. Put it on your banner on your phone. So every time you turn your phone on, there it is. Put it on your, your face page, your Facebook page, wherever. Put that out there as a reminder. Put it on a, on a, on a post-it note on your mirror. Write it in lipstick if you want, some of you. Women in the room. <laughs> or borrow some lipstick. What does love require of me today? And use that as a filter this week and see what a difference it'll make in the way you treat people. And I guarantee it'll please God. And if you're a guest here dear with us today, uh, I want to encourage you to do our core force Bible studies. Some of you are starting on that. I commend you. Some of you are on the tail end of that, and it's really helping you understand God's will for your life. And if you're here visiting for the first time, I want to encourage you to stop by our guest services tent outside in the, in the, in the patio. And then last, I want to say this to the men. Your love is required. Because we saw last week, 
We live in a fatherless country where men are absent. Even you young men. Your role is vital in our society. I want to encourage you to be all the man that you can be. And Jesus can teach us and teach each one of us how to be that. Let's close out with a prayer. Our Father God, today it's easy to talk about this. But it's a whole different thing to get out and live it. I pray that uh, you'll change us and that you'll help us today to be followers of Jesus and to do away with loopholes in our lives. God, help us uh, to start fresh as Jesus, when he pulled us back and simplified things, help us to do that this week. And I pray that you'll help us to make things right with people that we're not right with, to love as Jesus loved. And I do pray that uh, as we take the communion, God, that you'll purify us from all of our sins this past week. Things that have hurt you. Things that have hurt other people. And thank you that Jesus died on the cross and poured out his blood for us so that we could start over. And bless this communion that we're about to take. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.